welcome to the X-Factor Team Roping Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and go to xfactorroping.com. We're filming today with uh, Charlie and just was going to talk to him about some stuff. Just kind of talk to you about your, you know, your life journey. You know, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of changes in your life over the years. And a few just distractions. Kinda, <laughs> a few distractions, but more importantly, Charlie, we've got the star of the show here. You want to introduce, introduce Creed, this guy? Little baby boy Creed. He's, uh, he's almost nine months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, well, Charlie, what I mean, we've talked about a lot of different things, and I've got to know you pretty well. But you know, I'd like to just kind of jump into some aspects. You know, we we were talking to your wife earlier today about making things happen, and and you know, she grew up in an atmosphere where there wasn't. It, it was whatever she wanted to make it, but there wasn't much money or knowledge on the roping end of it and she you know she made it her lifestyle and that's what she was going to do and you know she she took advantage of the help that she got mm -hmm. and thanks sure you know worked hard and 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 had some help from her mom to kind of push her and and keep her going in the right direction but you know it, it's so funny how you talked about the belief system and our excuses that we have like money is the thing that comes up so often and I, I was just saying this we have people message us on snapchat saying oh no if you don't have money you can't do it and you you said it perfectly you know that, that that's your belief system and can you kind of talk to me about that as far as you know the your belief system on what it takes to make things happen well jackie is jackie's a perfect example you know she grew up with not much money and her mom helped her get get to where she needed to go with very very limited funds and you know never rope till she was in high school or something like that and so you're going to try to tell me that if you work hard enough that you can't be a seven time 17 time world champion right so there's a stat if you want facts and yeah you can and, and there's people that have money that make it too and that money is just an opportunity that's that those are great advantages to have but if you don't take advantage of those things then, then it's no more than somebody who's just out there roping for fun and not getting anything done right. you know so yeah you can use money as a limitation and yeah it's right if some people don't have the money and they don't work for it they're right they're not going to succeed so it's junior Nagara. i don't see how that's not an, another good fact right there that guy came up here from the united states from brazil and worked his way into being one of the best healers in the world so there wasn't a lot of money coming coming behind him well so, and I that's even, hard work right there. I even noticed outside there's a set of shoeing tools and mm -hmm. I mean I what about you kinda growing up? I, I know that there you know there was thanks for some opportunities and you were around some guys that knew how to rope, but mm -hmm. I know for a fact that you you're not afraid to to shoe your own horses still and you know, I I I blew I grew up in a blue collar household. My mom, she uh she worked and my dad worked and you know they're I mean, I wouldn't maybe call them maybe middle class, but, you know, we had a house and we had an arena. Um, but we weren't, we weren't in an area where it was just a real opportunistic spot. You know, it rained eight to nine months out of the year. And so we'd rope in buildings all spring, um, you know, all fall, winter, and spring. And rope them old junked out, roped out barn cattle, you know, all, all season long and stuff. And, and uh, get to rope twice a week from I think seven to maybe ten, and 
and limited places to go rope because you'd have to try to find an indoor because it was too wet. And so, but you just loved it. You know, I loved every minute of it. And, and then my dad started a club up there. So we got to rope a couple nights a week. And then he wasn't one bit scared to, if no one was there, we just rope and rope and rope. Right. And they would shut the lights off at midnight, you know. And, but if we got there and there wasn't very many people there, you know, I got to practice a lot that night. Right. Um, but, but he was good about getting me out of there too and taking me to places. And, and he was good friends with Mike Beers. And, and Mike was, was the guy up there at the time. Right. And Mike was really good about giving me jobs. So if I, if I, uh, if I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to take care of his horse all summer while he flew in and flew out, ride him and clean his stalls and do things like that he would let me go to a school that he would have every spring there in rufus oregon and whoever he was roping with that's how i got to go to the school so i got to rope with matt tyler kevin stewart uh, d pickett and uh, i think rusty wright was there one time and you know some guys that rope that headed at the time were one of the guys and those those were opportunities that that i got to do and then and then I always had a few young horses and stuff like that that I would always that I always ride. That's how I made money in high school, and that's how I made horses. We didn't. I think we only bought one horse. The rest of them we made. And so we've had some some shitters around there, some junk, you know. And, yeah. And uh, but we've had some good ones too, you know. I also had to learn how to head off heel horses, you know, since my dad healed. So right. Um, we had a lot of horses that people didn't want that gave to us that just that weren't no good and just made them work and. So we always have enough horses. So when Mike Beers would have schools, he'd call me. And like when I turned 16 and was able to drive, he would let me come head at all the schools. And I'd get turned steers for guys all day. And, and uh, man, it was a great opportunity. You know, like I said, if you, if you want it bad enough and you try hard enough, you will find opportunities. There's opportunities out there for everybody. But if you ain't looking and you don't want to work, they're, they're going to pass you by. But, and... One opportunity would lead to another, and one opportunity would lead to another, and, you know, I mean, I can go on down the line all the way to the time that I, I met Tyler Magnus, and when I met him, I was broke, but I knew how to shoe, and I knew how to ride horses. Right. And that got me to Tyler's house, and that got me to where I could rope all day, shoe in the evenings when it got dark, and I could make money. He would, and he would start hauling me around to ropings, and we'd, I didn't have no money, so he'd pay my fees, and we split what we won. And I was loving it, man. We got horses to ride, ropings to go to, and I was able to get in at the time and get in the rig with one of the best healers and best horsemen at the time right. and learn how to win. And like I say, a guy can say what you want, but if you're able to get in front of those people and if you have a skill set that is something that you can, that they can benefit from, I was not one bit scared to go and work. And if I didn't get paid to, to work for knowledge, it didn't bother me. Right. And like I told you, if there's a kid that wants to come to Stephenville, Texas, and wants to learn how to ride or rope or do something, and they, were, they thought, you know what? What you do is one of my weaknesses. Maybe he doesn't score very good. I think I score pretty good. Right. And he'd say, man, if there's any way I could saddle up and warm up or something for a half a day, and if, you, if that would help you out for an hour a day to help me out, I would say absolutely. Right. And we would, you know, that's what I'm saying. You can't tell me that there's not enough people out there that you couldn't put in a half day's work to get, to help that guy out to where you could get an extra hour in and get some reps in with somebody that's really good. Right. There's opportunity everywhere, especially down here, you know. 
Well, and did you grow up in an atmosphere where you guys always kind of roped and, and rode horses and stuff? Is that? My dad worked, right. um, but he day worked before right. and stuff like that, but there was no money in it. So he had to go get a job. And so he worked for the power company. So, I mean, we would get to rope, you know, by the time you get off work until sundown in the summertime, you know, that was it. So our, our practice was limited. We didn't, I never knew that you roped all day till I moved to Tyler's. Till right. I started working for him. Well, and it's cool because, you know, you get, you talk about it, it that building up kind of that desire too to of wanting to rope all the time and trying to put yourself in a situation where you get to rope more and more just it feeds it feeds that work ethic that you develop so when you get that time to rope you dang sure make it happen and then you know just like you're saying being able to go and help provide a service for someone and work for someone you know if you're if you're healthy and can work it, people will see that it just like you know you said you being out there being able to clean stalls led to being able to head for mike a little I mean, bit I, and i've done it with trevor a couple of years ago when when my when patron died i had some horses i was trying to rodeo on the next year that were green and and uh, i was struggling with and I, I still to this day have done it i said hey you know he's like hey man my horse needs shod i said look i'll shoe your horse i've got about 10 videos if you would watch Right. I'll shoot your horse. I'm not going to take no money if you don't mind just sitting down with me and watch these videos in slow mo and tell me tell me what I can do better. You know, so I mean, still this day, that, I mean, that's survival skills. But that's I'm not one bit proud. I mean, I'm I'm not. There's a hardly I don't think a lot of ego in the fact that I mean I went and rope with Clay Smith, who's dang near half my age. Right. You know, and and went and rope with him before the finals because he's. Man, that kid ropes outstanding. That okay. guy rides good. He ropes good. He scores good. He does such a good job of, of staying out of a horse's way that just going out there and sparring with that guy for a few hours and, and videoing him and then watching me and, you know, watch your runs back and then see what he's doing. I can see what I'm doing. You know, video from the same spot where you can kind of have an idea of, like, where there's some holes and stuff like that. And same way when I went and rope with Chad. Same way when I went and rope with Luke. You know, I mean, I made the circles before the finals right. and I would gain a little bit of something from each guy, you know, tell you stay sharp. And that's something you've kind of, you've done your whole life, Charlie, is, you know, went to different guys like that. Has that always just been, has it been natural for you to do that or was that kind of? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess it was just something that I never was proud. And for some reason, my dad was always real, really instilled not being complacent and and, and and just knowing that it, I was weird, I was a weird kid. I mean, I remember I made the amateur finals before I made the collar, before I made the high school finals. Right. You know, I think I made the amateur finals when I was in, in junior high. And I roped way better when I roped against older guys than when than when I went to high school. I was so nervous about roping with people my own age that I never had before. Right. And the competition wasn't as strong. And I didn't rope very good. I was always bad to kind of rope like my competition. And so I kind of learned at an early age that if I'm not around these guys, I'm not getting any better. And I would get around them, but then I also wasn't one bit scared, too, to go back home and amateur rodeo and make some money. But then I would notice after a while my roping would kind of, kind of wasn't as good. And then when I get back around those other guys that rope good again, man, I'd start feeling sharp. And was, was you just, like I say, iron sharpens iron. Right. But I just, it was just kind of one of them things I noticed at an early age that I was kind of wired that way. And so I don't really thought about it after that. But. Was there a certain time when you're like, 
this is what I want to do. I, I want to row. Yeah. When was that? I remember it too. I remember, I remember Mike Beers flying in and roping at St. Paul over the 4th of July. And we had had his horses and we were actually, um, he flew in and it was during Malala and St. Paul. And I lived in Canby, which, which is right in the middle between the two of them. Right. And so they would always, he would bring over guys and stay at the house. Like I remember when Dennis Gates and Bobby Hurley were there. I remember Leo Camarillo coming. I remember turning steers for him when I was a little kid when he was trying horses. And, and uh, just, he was, Mike was so good because he would bring all them guys there to the house. And my mom would cook big chicken dinner for everybody and stuff. And just get to sit around and listen to them guys tell stories. And But I remember when... Um, you can go from Malala Perf, and you can go to St. Paul Perf during the same time, yeah. but you gotta you gotta hustle to you do gotta it. Drive. And I remember Mike roped and the team roping at Malala, and I ran out there, and I was maybe seven or eight, nine years old, and run out there and grabbed this horse while he jumped in my mom's car and hauled butt to St. Paul the rope and the calf roping. <laughs> And I took his heel horse and jumped in with Matt Tyler, and we we hauled butt to St. Paul, so he get so they could rope and the team rope and they could haul, they could ride their horses there. Right. And then I remember when we got there, I remember jumping out and getting on his horse and warming him up for him, and we just, I mean, hair on fire, balls out. I mean, it was it was awesome. I'm right. like, I want to do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and till this day, I still love the Fourth of July. Right. I still love, I love going to rodeos and flying around and hauling butt in rental cars and doing stupid stuff that most people probably would think is just totally insane. And I just remember at that one point in time in my life, I'm like, why would you want to do anything else? <laughs> why would you even want to go to school? Right. <laughs> I remember to this day, I don't even remember it, but it's so funny is that was the same time I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. And I remember after that, like school was just ridiculous to me. And... I remember I was a few years back. I went back to uh, my friends threw a party for me in Canby, and uh, we all went to to this little little bar and grill. And uh, they were having a teachers meeting there in Canby, and one guy had came up and said, "Hey, are you Charlie Crawford?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "I'll be dang." He says, I, "We seen you in the paper. They did a little, little deal there in Canby for they made the final and stuff to talk about it." Right. He says, "My wife was your fourth grade teacher." Yeah. And, I, and I don't even remember. Like, I can't remember that far and stuff. It was irrelevant to me at the time. And he said, he said, she was, read the paper and was like, I remember this kid. I, I literally remember this kid. And he was telling me, she said that I, I was terrible at math. I couldn't spell very good. And you could hardly read my handwriting. I, I was telling someone this. They were asking me. I, I was able to film a lot of guys getting ready for the finals. And they asked, you know, just asking me about it. They asked me about you, and I said, you know, the one thing I noticed that was so cool was how prepared you were for that setup in the box. From the time you dropped your hand to the time, you know, you were picking your rope up and how well you scored and your horses. Like, you rode some young horses over there this year, and, and you practiced on some younger horses. And your practice was, I mean, you were on point, seeing your starts. Like, I, I was so impressed when you set the barrier up, how, how close you were to the barrier. And, and it showed because... I mean, I, I don't know if this is one of your better finals that you just had, um, but it was it looked good. I mean, even when you guys had a little bit of tough, like missed one or Joseph mm -hmm. missed one, you never really left your game plan. Now, you guys stayed with that run. 
stayed with it the whole time and it, it ended up paying off really good. So that, that's cool to see, you know, you really adapting that kind of that, that work ethic and, and how to, I mean, I, how old are you now, Charlie? Be 40 next month. 40 next month. And, you know, I mean, was, do you think this was one of your better finals that you've, you've had or headed? I mean, that horse was good this year and I really felt way more comfortable this year than I've ever have. Right. And I felt more prepared mentally, physically, and and last the year before was really good. Where that's all I did was go to ERA rodeos, and that's all I practiced was going fast because all the setups were the same as the NFR. Right. And so I got to prepare a lot for that, and and that did help a lot. Really did help me with my angles, helped me with learning how to get my rope up a little bit better, and sure. find my steers, you know, and stuff like that. And but and nine times of the finals that does help. Where there's a lot of things that I kind of know what to expect. And and it was and like I say earlier too was you know going to the gym and doing a lot of things and almost everything was in ten reps right. and so every time I would think round one round two round three and I wouldn't stop till round ten right. and and it was like that with everything when I, and when I would get on the treadmill. I'd get on there and I'd walk till it said point one, and then when it said point one, I'd turn it up to six point five, and all right, here's the first round. And I would just visualize every run I would want to make in the first round until it turns to two. All right, round two. Then I would okay. visualize the run I would want to make over and over until it said round three, and then uh, you know point three. And all right, round three. Here we go. And then and I would visualize because I know what first round steers are going to look like, second round steers are going to look like, and third round steers are going to look like. You know, I know in that first round, they're going to be breaking, they're going to be running hard. Second ones are going to be pretty good, and then the third ones are going to be a better better end. So, I mean, I would I would have that in my mind. I would know that, like, steer's going to be maybe be this little closer. All right, first round, they're going to be this, you know, a little further. You know, things like that to where, I mean, I would just think about it all the time. And then about fifth round, I know it's going to be harder because you're either high or low at that point in time. You know, either it's been going good or we go low. <laughs> it's so, I'd bump it up to 7.5. Right. And I'd visualize what I'm, you know, last half, finish strong. And you get it up to about seven, eight rounds, or 0. 0.7 and 0. 0.8, and I would bump it up to 8.5. And then I would, and then just visualize, all right, round nine. I know round nine is always going to be tough. So, you know, I just visualize that run over and over and over again. And then 10th round, I mean, I'm sweating. Right. My mind's wanting to quit my body's wanting to quit trying to find some air and yeah fucking there's none right <laughs> and i'm not in good shape and i don't run very fast anyway yeah. and but round nine i'd kick it around 10 i'd kick it up to, to nine and i would hustle and, and my strongest one was always the last one because i mean that's how bad you gotta want it right and i would just visualize man if i can make this run right here and place in the round and win the average i might have a chance to win the world Right. And I'm telling you, I would run my butt off until it said point one, you know, 1.1. Right. And then I would kind of ease it back down. Well, when I would get to the finals, I just, I, I kept that same mentality. I've got my run. I know what I'm going to do. And I ain't thinking about nothing until this thing's over. You know, I mean, there's guys out there, man, I can't wait to go home. Oh. What about you? You ready? You know, and signing autographs, people would be like, man, you ready to go home yet? No. Hell no. Right. At twenty five or seven thousand around, I don't I don't even know what it pays, but I'm like that's a that's one hell of a Fourth of July. Yeah, 
And I got a chance to win that tonight. Run me in 20 more steers. I don't, I'll stay here all month. I don't give a rat's ass. I mean, I am going to rope until they tell me to leave because right. that is, for what we do, that's great money. And you're not going to drag me out of here until that happens. I don't care if I cut my thumb off. I don't care if my back goes out. I mean, I am going to be running them steers. Right. Because I practiced for 300 and some odd days to get to this damn thing. I ain't stopping early. And I would just instill it in my mind that that's the way I'm going to be until the 10th round. And, 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 I, and I'd kind of run some stats a little bit on myself. And so when I would start my swing and I would feed it where the barrier come across, I would, when I would practice, I would run in sets of 10. So I'd ride my young horses. I'd run five on him and I'd run five on them. I'm okay. like, all right, no matter what, I'm going to run this round one all the way to round 10. And when I would feed my rope, when the barrier come across and then find the steer, I was 90 to 100% every time. Right. Every time. And then when I would practice nodding and get my swing up and then throwing at the line, I was probably half to, on a good day, 60%. Right. So I kept the stats on myself of knowing where my strengths are. If I'm going to try to be three or a short four, it's, gonna, it's not going to be near as fast. But if I ride my horse and I feed at the line and I find the steer, I'm going to be anywhere between 4.2 and 4.8 if I make a good clean run. Right. So I know where my time is and I know what my stats are and I know where my strengths and I know where my weaknesses are. Well, about round seven, round eight, it was kind of right there where was, I think we was eighth in the average. Yep. And I'm like, man, do I jump ship? Do I abandon? You know? Right. What do I do here? You know, do I go ahead and try to be three? And Luke, he was, he was the best. I think it was, it was round... I had four rounds to go because I remember me and Luke was sitting back there and we was watching the draw. And he's like, well, what are you going to do tonight? I said, man, I don't know, man. I said, I, said, I know, I know if, I, if I go and do what I'm doing, I know I've already missed one. But, so I know I'm, I'm done missing. If I go take this shot, I know I'm going to catch the rest of them. Right. I said, but if I go try to be three, man, I'm, I'm probably about half. So said, well, but I look at it. Four rounds left, so it means you're going to win two. That's 50,000, he said. He said, that's my country ass math right there. <laughs> that's a pretty good way to look at it, I guess. But, yeah. And I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm going to stick to what I got one more round and, and see how it goes. Made, you know, made a good run. I think he was one out. He was one out of place, I think, like in the last four or five rounds or something. But, and I wasn't finishing near as good. There's some small little, like I said, it's a game of inches. Right. But for the most part, I just, I finally just made up my mind, I'm, you know what? I'm going to stick to what I practice, and I know what my strengths are. I know I'm going to come out of here with a lot of money if I do. And when it was all said and done, kind of, I didn't even look really at the average much until it was all said and done. I think we won fifth, maybe. Yeah, I think. I'm, I mean, and, I'm good enough. You no, know, it wasn't, wasn't terrible. And probably won, I won, I don't know, I think it won 70 or 80, I think, something like that. So, right. And it, so it's that was cool. a pretty good game plan. Well, exactly, game plan. And to take it from here, working on the rounds uh i mean at the gym and and just to, i mean i'm gonna get a little off topic but i i was tyler and i were at the gym the other morning about 6 30 and we're dying over there and i see you and you're just getting after it and i said you know this is why it's so hard to win jackpotting or rodeoing in stephenville texas because you can't can't even outwork the headers at the gym <laughs> i mean th there really is like it's it's being able to being a professional like that to take care of yourself. I mean, you got a trainer at the gym, you're working on your mind. I mean, I mean, you've got her, I mean, you just tell me today, you've got her looking at exercises to help with your shoulders and stuff like that. And, and I mean, you are doing sport specific workouts for 
rodeoing and, to, and kind of help with that. And, and that's, I mean, not many people think about that or even see that aspect of, you know, I mean, let alone to be at the gym at 5 or 5.30 in the morning that's 20 minutes away. I mean, you're, you're getting up and getting after it every day and it's just cool to to see well you know and i gotta think too i mean i got i'm up against a lot of kids that are young that wrote and there's a there's there's hundreds of kids that wrote better than i do and, I, and i'm okay with that but they're not gonna outwork me right you know there's there's one thing that i can promise them you know i'm gonna have a peak state before most of them have even gotten up and i'm going to be learning i'm going to be getting better and that's one thing i can control Right now, these little kids now they can snap it off them horns nowadays, and they can do a lot of cool stuff. And 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 I would say that my roping's gotten a lot better. And and so I'm, it's not anything I'm worried about on being able to out rope them. But I'm making sure that my horses are working as good as they can. I'm making sure I'm always looking for more. I'm making sure I'm always trying to stay mounted and be mounted and being on something that's going to give me the best chance I can, because that is half the battle. Right. If you can't find anything that underneath of you that's going to help you win, you are going to be frustrated. Yeah. And I know that. And to me, the roping is the smallest part of it because there's so many kids that can rope. Um, but it's also something that can't be ignored either. You know, you still got to be able to get around the horns. Right. But you've got to be able to hit that barrier. You've got to be able to have something that's giving you a good throw and setting it up for them healers right there to tee off and being able to finish. And... You know, that's just something that, that uh, you know, like I say, you got to be able to rope. You got to be able to have your horsemanship and keep your horse working and always looking for them and keep good ones under you. And then the, the third would be your mentality. You know, right. I, that I, ties the two together. Well, I was telling my wife this uh, before, like the George Strait and stuff and Houston, all that. I came over and roped, roped here and then I filmed you and then I, I filmed myself. And I, I was telling Nikki, I was like, I, I feel comfortable where I'm heading the steers said, but when I leave the box and when I put it on the horn, Charlie completely wears me out. Like, it's not even close. And, and that's, you know, just like you're saying, iron sharpens iron. But it, it's crazy to see because I felt like I had good practices. And then I get watching you and then watching me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's nowhere near what, you know, where you're at and what you're doing with your horses. And I'm like, you know, it just shows you how big it is, how, how many little details. When I think I'm doing everything I was correctly and then i get watching you and talking to you about some things and i'm like man yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely it takes a it takes a lot of work and understanding on those horses and that, i think that's one thing that you've done so well is you know you, being able to reach and then create the same type of run as if you ran close and, and being able to control your horses and you go out here and you know just like you said you would one horse is what you guys have bought growing up and to be able to train your own horses and understand how they work and how to, to instill those things, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's taking advantage of those opportunities like that. And that's, that's really, really neat to, to see. Yeah, and, and it's, <clears throat> it's a, it, like I said, it's a, heading's hard. It really is. It's, it's, you're the quarterback. And to be a quarterback, you know, there's so many plays. you got to know what everybody's doing. And so it's the same way heading. I mean, you got to know what steer you got you got to know how to score you got to know how to get there you know there's so many little things to be the header and stuff but you know Caden, she's helped keep a lot of things in perspective and you know she's she's getting where she's breakaway now and going to the rodeos and 
her practice has been going good, but she's been going to the rodeos and, and can't catch. Right. And, you know, it takes a little while to learn how to win. And, but the thing is, is after a while I can watch her practice and she's so relaxed and comfortable. And then when she gets to the rodeo, there's so many distractions and things that, right. and what I try to tell her is that, and, but at the time her, her practice would go pretty good, but it was very inconsistent. And then I said, how about we don't go to another one until you can catch five in a row? Because that's how my dad would do it. You know, right. if we're going to go to a three-header or four-header, you better be able to catch eight in a row. And if you can't do that here, you're not going to be able to do it when you get there. Right. And, and she would do that, and it would help and things like that. But to me, if, if you understand that your, your performance is a reflection of your preparation, and if you're going and just if nothing's coming together at the jackpot or the rodeo that is a reflection of your practice right. you are not putting yourself in the same situation at home that you are when the lights are on and your name's called and the money's up well and and i think that's really important and uh, you did a good job of communicating that to me this summer but the exact situation you know we have so many times we, we don't look at our measurements of our boxes or what type of steers we're running or the speed of the steer and and then where we're going and competing. And I think it's really, really important to understand that. Like, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm catching 80 to 90% of my steers that's a one under start on where it's a longer box. But if it's a one over start on a 16-foot box on some medium plus steers where they're out there a little bit, um, from two coils, my percentages are way down. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I need to understand to put that, put myself in that situation and, and be able to like, to understand that, hey, these steers are loping and I'm going to a place where they're pretty strong. Right. And, uh, you know, to do that is, it's, it's a hard thing, but to realistically look at your practice and, and uh, you know, it's good to get with other headers and in other situations and see, hey, you know, Charlie's scoring them out to here and this is his run. And, and I think that that's, it's good to be around that and, and to be to see different people do that. And I think a lot of kids, too, and, and people that are trying to head are trying to turn their good horses into practice horses. And when that happens, it's usually a reflection of, you know, when they get to the rodeos, they're ropings, their horse ain't working. And right. you, you can't. Sometimes it's good to put some runs on them, but the most part, they've got to be working. And you can't sacrifice their performance for you. So it's important to have a practice horse. It's important to have a horse that you can make a few runs on and get sharp. Right. And it's the, but also this realistic. And if you look at my box, like my box in my big arena, I can adjust it width and I can adjust it long. Yep. So I can I can have any arena or any box in, in the countryside right here at the house. You know, so I can Jackie can adjust it the same as um, when she goes out there for the World Series finals, and I can adjust it the same as when I go to Thomas and Mac. Right. And and because it's a feel, you got you, you, the hardest part about team roping a lot of times heading is getting your timing. But if you're practicing on a 16 foot box and you're going to Tucson, your timing's going to be a little off because it's like a 20, 22 foot box. Yeah. Got a lot of country to cover. You know, so you if you're pick your rope if you're up. if you're yeah, if you're picking your rope up when you leave, you're still a long way from the steer. Right. You know, so to me it's just an or vice versa. If you got if you're at home and you got an 18 or 20 foot box and you're used to nodding going and then when you go somewhere where the box is real dead and like I say, it's just not, you got to, that's the thing that experience does help. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, knowing where you're at. You know, Charlie, going back to being younger, um, I think one thing we see a lot of is we deal with a lot of failure. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the win percentages in rodeo are so much, so low compared you to... You might lose more than you win. Yeah, I mean... Percentage-wise. I, I think Rich Skelton was saying a good year, it, you know, they won... 35 to 45 percent of mm -hmm. the time yep and and i've i've always just used the referral as like baseball if you're batting 25 percent mm -hmm. you're just kind of an average baseball player and you're probably keeping your money together and if you're getting up to a third of the time you're winning you're probably you're starting to get to where you probably have a chance to be in the top 25 to top 15 in the world if you do it at the right places yeah and then the guys that are really making some money, it's it's quite a lot higher. You know, they'll be up thirty to forty percent, but that's 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 quite a lot. I mean, that, Will that Will Smith said it best. He's like, fail a lot, right? And keep failing, and keep failing, and keep moving forward. And if you think about it, if you take it in the right direction, and you are able to, when you do something at the rodeo and you lose, and you figure out why. Right. That's the most important thing. If you can find out why you're losing, find out why you're missing, that gives you, that, that's what, I'm telling you, that's what fires me up back in the practice pen. It's a good thing I don't have lights because there's times that I come back from the rodeo and I got on my mind, I know what it is, I cannot wait to get back in there and I'm right. going to beat this down until I got it. And yep. if you don't have that fire inside, then you're just going to keep losing and after a while you get used to it. And when you and, get that way, then it's tough. And creating that, that mindset, of, you're talking... I'm not focused on, oh, I suck. This is, it's my mentality. This is why I missed. This is how I'm going to catch. Mm -hmm. And that's a mindset. You know, it's really hard to develop that. And it's so easy to fall in this trap of oh, I've been why it. I'm yep. missing. And, oh, man, I keep missing. And this is, you know, instead of how to catch or how I'm going to fix it. Self-talk is huge, man. I battled, I battled so many demons growing up, you know, and, and, um, you know, just negative self-talk. I suck. I'm terrible, man. Why am I at this, man? I'm. How long have I been doing it? I can't believe I still. I'm still. You know, right. And looking at all those things that raise your heart rate up and then you bring you to tears, and make you want to quit and 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 uh, jump off a bridge and throw your ropes away. You been know, there and, a lot. And but it's a mindset, right? And it's things you can control. And it, it's the hard. It's probably the hardest thing that there is about competing. Is if you got the wrong mindset, the good thing is if you try hard enough and if you read enough books and you around the right people, you can change it. It is it is an it is a choice, right? On how you talk to yourself, it's a choice on how bad you want to win. It's a choice. When I wake up in the morning, what am I going to attack, or am I just going to let the day kind of take take over? It's a choice to where when I miss one right there, to where I tell myself I suck. And I need to just quit and I'm too old. Or it's a choice to where I go back and I watch it and I slow-mo it and I get up underneath the problem and I freaking beat it down till it's a strength. Right. And you've got a choice. Everyone's got a choice. Like I say, it's no different than people saying, well, yeah, if I had the money, I could do what that guy does. All right? You might be right. But there's also, that guy didn't have money and he got to where he's at. So there's also another avenue. There's limits to everything. Right. And, and both sides are right. But it's just, if you fail enough, there's, there's what, 1% of people that are successful, or it's a low percentage, I forget what it is, but there's right. a reason why, because it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Absolutely, and I almost, 
the more I get around it, I, <laughs> I have the mentality that I feel like the people that don't have money and don't have much, those are the guys, they've got it made because they know. There's no plan B. Yeah, they're, they're all in. There's no, and that person's hard to beat. There's no backup plan. Yeah, they're, they're not afraid to put all their chips in play. I did not want to go back to where I was. Right. I did not want to go. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of where I came from, but I did not want to go back. Right. I, I was going to rope my way out of Canby, Oregon. I was going to rope my way out of where it rained all the time, and I had no opportunity, and I couldn't rope as good and as much as everybody else. I was going to rope my way out of there, and I did. It right. wasn't. I mean, it took me a long time to get where I was at. Like I said, it was one opportunity after another that led to another and, and things like that. But I was going to rope my way out of there, and I did not want to go back. I was not going to go back. Right. So I did not have a backup plan. Well, and, and, and just think about it like this. If I have a million dollars in my bank account, when I miss a steer for 25000 I mean, it hurts because of the people that see it. But you can still eat. Yep. But when you missed a steer for 25000 and you slept in your truck or whatever it is. You I've had opportunities. I've had times where I can remember amateur rodeo and a circuit rodeo <coughs> home to where when I've missed, I had, I had two choices. Or I had one choice. But it was two options. Either my horse ate that night or I ate that night. Right. And it was, it was a choice. Because if I missed, I had that little of money. I can either buy another bale of hay or I can go eat. Right, and I, my horses took the control before I did because if they don't work, I can rope hungry. Right, but I've had those those times to where it's like, man, it's you or me tonight, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I, I think those those guys, you, they're the hardest ones to beat, and I think that two things happen. You know, they win when they're losing, they quit and they're done, and they make the excuses whatever they want to use, or they figure it out. And when they figure it out, it ain't no fun because it's just like you're saying, you're, I, I can't outwork you at the gym, practice, and all of it. I mean, I, I mean I'm trying to, but it's, it's, I'm going to need some lights. You know, yeah. They're going to need lights yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I swear I'm the same way. I mean, I keep the same. I put Luke Brown on a pedestal um, because I remember making it before he did, and, and he's older than I am. Right. And I can still remember... I can I, I I remember the story and my facts could be a little bit off, but I remember him when he came to Stephenville and I think he had two horses and a stock trailer and a, and a Ford that wasn't very good. And I think when he got out here, his two good horses died or something. And then and I think he ended up getting a practice horse off of Kevin Daniel and that was Slim Shady, right? For not very much money. And he rode horses and he shot horses and then for long that guy was just going right and slowly. But it just, like, that guy just outworked me. Right. And he did. And now he's one at 40-some years old, two, three, right there. He's 42 or 43, something like that. And, and on the top of his game. There's not a header right now better than Luke Brown right now. From oh. the jackpots to the rodeos, he's got the right horses for every setup. And you don't outwork him. It was 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds yesterday. Yep. And he was out there trying to head horses. And miserable. I, mm -hmm. I had a hard time just walking outside mm -hmm. yesterday. It I'm was, not going to lie. I, he outworked me. Yeah. He worked out of yesterday and I didn't. Right. And like I say, that guy keeps me motivated because I know when I'm not, he is. <laughs> and, you know, like I remember Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, they said that every morning both of them would look and see whose stats the other person had the night before. And they would, them two would motivate each other. Right. And, you know, iron sharpens iron, like we talked. And 
that's one guy that is a definition of work. Right. And he can prove right there that you don't have to have money. He came here with nothing. Nothing. I mean, he told me when he was learning how to rope, they had a like a old Ford or whatever with a stock rack, and mm -hmm. they would back up to a hill, get their horses off. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's yep. it's pretty cool to, yeah, to, to try to tell me that hard work don't pay off again right there. <laughs> right. right. I think that that development, it, the, you know, the understanding that you have to love what you're doing and, uh, and then instilling a work ethic and, uh, and having a game plan. Because that's the one thing, you know, Charlie, I, you always, like, you have a plan. I mean, you know, you know where you're going. And, I mean, can you kind of, how would you suggest to a young kid, like, that has the goal of going to the finals, but they might be, hell, they might not even be roping at this point, you know, off of a horse yet, mm -hmm. or they might be getting started or kind of rolling. How, how would you kind of tell them to start planning to work that way? Or yeah, what? I've heard some guys tell me, and, and, and this is probably a little bit better way to do it than I did it, because part of the reason I grew up so dang frustrated because I always wanted to make it, and I wanted to make it that year, and I wasn't ready. And so I, I set so many unrealistic expectations even though it kept me drove, but it was unrealistic expectations to where I was constantly frustrated. She um, set a five-year plan and work your way backwards. Right. And for me, like, say, if you're wanting to make the finals, give yourself five years. All right. What do I need to make the finals? All right. My head horses ain't very good. You're going to need a good head horse. Right. Um, man, I don't rope very good from two coils. Well, you better learn how to rope from two coils. And I don't score very good. Well, you better get to scoring. And you figure out who those people are that are good at that. Right. And you go figure out how to rope with them. If they won't let you rope, see if you can work for them. If you don't have money, see if you, like I say, just watching it. I'll work the shoots for them. Right. Even do it for nothing. Can I come work the shoots? I guarantee you there's not very many guys, unless you're an annoying little shit, they're, they're not going to let you come and work shoots for them. Right. And so you just, you surround yourself with greatness because it's gonna rub off. And I was really big on watching guys and then being able to go home and try it. Right. And you know, like I say, if you give yourself five years and you work your way backwards and then you find for that year, all right, this is what I need in order to get there. And that's what you, what you start trying to strive for. Right, developing a plan to, mm -hmm. if you gotta work on your two close shot, well, I need a practice horse. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you yeah. gotta figure out if you don't have money, learn how to shoe, whatever it is. Yep. Buy buy the practice horse for five thousand. Mm -hmm. Gets. You if know. you utilize, the best thing I heard was if you utilize your day and say, if you split your day in half. Right. And say you're able to work in the mornings, and if you get up and you start at something, I don't give a shit if it's cleaning stalls, if it's saddling for somebody. There is work you can find if you right. look hard enough for it. You can learn how to finish and pull shoes, I mean, there's something you can do. And if you start at seven o'clock and you can be done by lunch and say at noon, you go grab some lunch on the way to your horses, you can find somewhere to rope by one right. in this town. And you can utilize your time and split it in half. You can figure out a way to make money and then you can figure out a way to rope. It's awesome. You know, utilizing your time is huge, but you're gonna have to get up, you're gonna have to get your butt up early and you're gonna have to, to hustle and work for it. This stuff ain't easy. It's hard work. And, and day in and day out. I mean, mm -hmm. don't let 40 mile an hour winds stop you because it's not stopping Luke Brown, who's 
I mean, obviously a top five guy, mm -hmm. day in Absolutely. and day out. Absolutely, and and and, and not just at rodeoing. He'll kick everything. your butt at those jackpots, and he'll kick. He was three twice over there at Odessa. Had a leg on the first one, and legal eagle head catch on the second one. But I mean, he was legitimately three twice. Right. And that is, and then placed it at both rope ones. And just he's good everywhere. I don't give it. I mean, but I mean, who outworks that guy? Right. Yeah, I think that that's a, a lot to be said about mm -hmm. that a discipline day in and day out, mm -hmm. and and be being willing to, to work at it like that.